young America, we need to talk. You may think this is uncool, you may even think it is bogus, but I want to tell you about something that has everyone buzzing, something that concerns mature boys and girls just like you, something called grassroots. To grassroots podcasts, where it's not just about where you're going, where you are, but it's also about where you came from. This podcast is co-hosted by myself, Aaron Ashley Simon, and my partner in crime, Brandon Killa B H Hall. And we definitely got to talk about that nickname because that's <laughs> one unique nickname, Killa B H. That'll be my grassroots at, at some point. At some point, it's a, it's a funny story, but. We'll, we'll get into that at another lead, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get there. But today we have a lovely guest here for today's podcast. Brandon, please introduce her. She's amazing, by the way. Our guest today is, it just in my opinion, is, is one of the rare cases in music, as well as just from a personal standpoint. Her name is Felicia Temple, right? So... She's a singer, but by day, you know, she's a nurse. But she has a lot of of creative attributes with her that I thought that were astounding and something that obviously I wanted the world to see and we wanted to kind of shed light on. So, you know, we're going to get into her grassroots today. Uh, Felicia Temple being a guest on the show today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Good, good, good. So... I mean, we we pretty much are going to, you know, get to know you and understand a a better part of you. So we we obviously go in segments and we kind of want to, you know, just make it a little fun and and have some fun with it. So, I mean, the the first part um, for us is, you know, let's talk about your grassroots. You know, who is Felicia Temple? Who is Felicia Temple? Well, um, I'm a Jersey girl. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> Jersey. You know, pretty much born and raised, and uh, I am a perioperative nurse by day. I have four nursing jobs, and I work extremely hard. I'm a workaholic, okay. um, but I am a musician through and through. You know, born and bred in a family full of musicians, and uh, I'm a professional auntie. Okay, and uh, a fiance. Ooh. And uh, show us that bling bling. Yeah. This oh, is, look this at is that <laughs> sparkling. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Now, from the start, you know, obviously when I met you, um, you know, we we've shared stages together. Um, and I, I just I know Aaron, you probably don't know this, but we we me and me and, and, and Felicia, we have a lot of of history. We we have yeah, some we battle scores. We go, yeah. we, you know, and you know, I guess the next part of this is, you know, throughout your journey in, in just becoming this amazing artist, this amazing sound, you know, where were the patches in the road for you? Like, what are some of the things, the obstacles that, you know, people may not even be aware of or even think that would be an obstacle for you that you've had to kind of go through just to become your own person at this point? Well, I mean, any any artist, any person, you know, has obstacles in their in their road. I mean, I just think in general... I always thought that my life would go in a different direction than it has. As a child, I never expected to be doing anything else 
but music. Okay. So nursing and having to go to college for me was a super rough patch and a reality check because I was like, I got to do this shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I really have to adult. I don't want to adult, you know? (laughs) I just want to be a musician. Adulting sucks, you know? (laughs) It doesn't get better. And then, you know, when when I finally graduated and I'm like, this is great, you know, you make great money and getting into music and just being a woman, you know, being a woman and realizing that no matter how talented you are, a lot of spaces that you go into, you know, people don't even get to the talent because... They they are interested, you know, more interested in the way that you look. They could care less about what you really have to offer or, you know, how you all could make money together or what amazing content you could create. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about sleeping with you. Yeah. So that's, you know, a big, you know, that's been a big obstacle for me to get over. And then, you know, getting sick, which I'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. later, has been... Uh, an incredible journey, but a tough one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy and it's sad to hear. Like, every time I, I speak with a woman who's in the music industry, that topic of people trying to sleep with you or only caring about what you look like always comes up, and that really makes me mad. And it kind of draws back to, like, what we talked about before, where it's just like, it's like you need a cosign from a man in this industry in order for people to stop treating you that way or for another oh, guy no. to be like but that's not, you know it never stops it no doesn't. matter what you do it never stops and it always comes and Brandon can attest he's seen me in the studio mm-hmm. when I used to like yeah. when we first met nobody ever saw me in makeup no one ever saw me with my hair done. They called me grandma. I used to be like, yo, or, she is such a grandma. She would come in in flip-flops. And huge sweaters. <laughs> huge sweats. <laughs> my little laptop. I'm like in the corner. Like when everybody first saw me like all dressed up, I think like we did a show and everybody's like, I was like, I was like, okay, all right, I see you. I I'm see like, you. I get dressed. But you know, you want to yeah. form a rapport with people where they're not just like, oh my God, and they can't focus. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you want to be respected for your work. Yeah, that's fine. This is probably the first time Brandon has seen me wear makeup because I, I, I surely do not that, wear makeup. And, and that's the funny part. As I'm as I'm picking her up, I said, "All right, <laughs> okay." I said, "Look at you." Oh, she said, man. "All right, you know." Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's only fine. on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, only on fun. Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the funny. I, I mean, I attest to you as well. I mean. My body is a temple. Um, you know, I've been pr- propositioned quite a few times. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I want to be respected for my talent and, yeah. and, and, and not okay. for my other not things. For your cho- yeah. Okay, yeah. not for your chocolate. Okay. <laughs> okay, I've heard that before. <laughs> so, I mean, but no, that that is really a true story. So, um, you know, and, and even still... Like you were saying before, we're obviously going to get into, you know, uh, some of the more deeper grassroots. But that is one thing I thought that was admirable about you. You know, you you different walks of life for people. Right. So you're always, you know, engulfed in the music industry. We, and we all are in this industry. And you, you see how people are and you see how they can manipulate you or try to use your mm-hmm. still your ideas to. But to kind of, uh, you know, maintain a certain level level of just credibility and professionalism, I think that you've always been able to do. And you've always kept it to where you, you never let anybody kind of push you around. You kind of just make sure that your point gets across. And even if, if it comes from uh, uh, the sweatpants to a, a, a song or even an ad lib, you're like, you, you're staying true to yourself. And I think that that's dope. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen, Amen to, to that, that, right? I think I, I bodied that little part, right? Y'all like yeah. that? <laughs> no nonsense. I'm a no nonsense kind of yeah, gal. No nonsense. <laughs> it's crazy, though. You have to be that way. Like, 
I don't know if you've gone through this, but it's just like you kind of have to be firm. And it's not even just for women. Like it's for anyone in this entertainment industry. You kind of have to be firm in your position. But it's, it sucks, too, because it's like if you're a woman and you do that, all of a sudden, like, now you're a bitch. You're not a boss. Oh, you're yes. a bitch. Like, yeah. And I hate that because it's like if I was a guy, you would not be saying that or you would not be treating me this way. You would be like, oh, that's a leader. But mm-hmm. if I'm a woman and I'm firm in my position and I say, no, I'm not going to do this. I want to do this. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like a villain and the worst thing ever. Yeah. I agree to that. I agree to that. And I think that it's there is a double standard in music and, and just in general with, with women. Okay, yeah. So, you know, when it comes into the grassroots and our pathway in life, we always hit a dead end. And during that dead end, it's like you have to determine what's the next step. How are you going to go about certain situations? You either go left or you go right or sometimes you got to backtrack. So in your life, was there any specific moment where you hit that dead end and you had to figure out, is this what I want to do? Or do I have to go another route or go find another way to get to where I want to go specifically? I would definitely say I believe I hit that point actually right before I got diagnosed with cancer. So I had released my second project called Bedroom Chronicles. And fire. I, I think at that point, I was loose with the word deserve. That's what I always say. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people get caught up with like, I deserve to win an award. I deserve to be hurt. I deserve to be on the radio. Like, And, you know, it's, it's easy to get like that because you look at some of these people that are on the radio and look at some of these people that are, are on the award shows and you know they didn't do the work or you know it was just a simple connection or it was a favor or a, one song that just caught. They can't sing. They don't write, you know, or you know they slept their way up and you start to feel like I deserve, like, more credit than I've gotten. And I put out... Bedroom Chronicles, and I've always done all my own writing. I don't have any co-writers, you know, and I was doing my own production for Bedroom Chronicles. I didn't, but prior I had, and I was just like, what's going on? Like, I'm like, to me, I feel like I have the whole puzzle. I'm like, I know I write. I know I look good. I know I've got a good show. My voice is good. Like, what's, what's going on here? I put out a project, and I don't feel like it's moving the way it should, and, you know, without, you know, without me really knowing it, you know, I was still pretty new I still am pretty new to the industry and I put on my first project mm-hmm. till 2013 mm-hmm. so for a lot of people now I'm like oh like you know people are like four years in and you're doing all that you've done some people are like 15 years in still trying to get you know to half the places that I've been but right after I did Bedroom Chronicles I was just like this is not enough this is not it and I need help mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do. I don't know what my next direction is going to be. Is Am I just going to make sexy music forever? Like, is that what I'm going to yeah. be known for? Like, what's my image supposed to be? I had no clue, and I was just kind of aimlessly like, all right, I guess I'll record something. But I wasn't feeling <laughs> mm-hmm. anything. I was just recording stuff. And I don't want to say lucky for me, but, yeah, lucky for me. I got sick, and it gave me a time to stop and completely reevaluate what it was that was really important to me and things that I Mm -hmm. thought were important to me were no longer important to me. I got sick and I was like, I never even got to get married. Like I didn't even get to have kids. Like I want to see my nieces grow up. Like I want to buy a house. Like none of, none of what I was, you know, I mean, 
I love the records that I was making, but I could care less. Yeah, at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, at that point, I felt like I was really at a, at a dead end. And, and even when I got sick, you know, I wasn't seeing the, the, the forest for the trees, per se. And mm-hmm. I was like, what am I really supposed to do now? Like, I can't be bumping and grinding with this big scar on my stomach. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the type of music that I was making, I was like, I'll never be in a two-piece again. Like, wh- what kind of sexy music am I supposed to be making now? So it really... It really, that was a really major point for me where I thought, like, that's it. Like, this, yeah. <laughs> this is over. This is over for me. You know, I thought about it and I said, I didn't know that. You know, we, we, we shared stages. <laughs> we, we, you know, we, again, like I said in the beginning, we had battle scars. And I was like, wow, like, damn, I, I didn't know that she was dealing with this this whole time. And then, again, I, I put you on this, this different pedestal. You know, we deal with pressures of, you know, trying to uh, fix shows and, and be perfect when we're going on stage. And we, when we're, we wear these hats, you know, these performer hats where everything is great and everything is glitz and glam. And then to see you come out and just be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Like, I was, I was fresh from a chemo treatment, <laughs> you know. That, that story, you know what I mean, I think you, you should probably share that because that's something for me uh, was, was groundbreaking in itself for you to just go and, and kill, mm-hmm. kill, kill, kill Highline Ballroom fresh after chemo. I thought that that was just remarkable. Yeah, I, um, I remember that day vividly because it was the first week of chemo and I was taking oral chemo. So the only real difference with chemo by mouth is just that it's a pill. You get all the same side effects. You feel disgusting. You know, you want to throw up. You're weak. You're tired. The whole nine yards. And I remember Joe had said, oh, I really want you to come out and do unnecessary pain. And, you know, I want you to do, you know, come on, like, let's do the show, whatever. So I'm like, all right, you got it. I'll be there. But, you know, I was at the point where I wasn't really ready to share what was going on with me, you know, Imani knew, but, Mm -hmm. you know, Joe knew, like, you know, but I tried to just, I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to fit in. I didn't want anybody Mm -hmm. to pity me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people hear the word cancer and they automatically assume you're going to die. And they like want to run the other direction or they just feel so bad for you. And they put these bad vibes on you. So I was like, I'm just going to go out and do the show and just be regular and whatever. Mm -hmm. But that show, and that was what, early November, that was the first time I got on stage and I had had surgery August 12th. I had the right side of my colon removed, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was starting chemo and I was upstairs and the chemo is very particular. You have to like certain pills you have to have on an empty stomach, certain pills you have to take with food on your stomach. And you're supposed to take all these pills at the same time, some magic way. And you're taking these like eight giant horse pills. I was like sick. I was like, I remember I was like looking, they had like hummus upstairs and I'm like, okay, I got to put something in my stomach because I got to take these pills, but I don't want to be sick on stage. And I took the pills and I'm just sitting upstairs like, oh my god I can't like I can't I can't throw up here like I can't can't (laughs) do it and I'm like waiting to get on stage and even trying to sing on the stage I was like pushing it out because everything still hurt everything was still sore and I remember at one point there's a picture at, that I have, I think I had posted, and Joe and Imani are like their arms over me and my head was down and I remember being like don't throw up don't throw up. And, then, <laughs> throw and up. it's the truth, though, because I, re- I remember remember when we came off stage, yeah. I was like, yo, are you okay? You're like, yeah, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And I was like, and me being just concerned, man, I'm going, to, yo, what's wrong with Felicia? Is she, right? she good? Like, I've never seen her like that. And he's like, nah, she's just tired. She cool. And I was just like, to find out afterwards, I was just like, that oh, I was God. on chemo, yeah. yeah. I was just wow. like, wow, man. Like, you, you just never know what people are going through. You really now. don't. And I think when it comes to people who deal with illnesses, it's like a whole new level of strength that they might have never felt before that comes out. Because although I didn't deal with anything that serious, my mother is fairly sick. Like, she has one kidney. 
deals with fibromyalgia, endometriosis. So like for most of my life, I've seen her struggle with it and go through pain. But there are some days where, you know, behind the scenes, she'll be sick and, and not feeling well. But then when we're in front of everyone else. She's smiling. She's happy. She's moving. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, where you were just two seconds ago crying and now you're smiling. Like, it's some inner superhuman strength that comes out of yeah. you. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I've, and I've seen that in my mom and, it, and I feel like you found that strength. And I think having that moment, although I would never wish for anyone to go through that, having that moment, it seems like, was the turning point that gave you that extra inner strength to say, you know what, I'm going to continue with my music on my own terms and do it the way that I want. And you said now there's people that are coming to you wanting to help you and, and, and help you prosper. So it's kind of like turning a, a bad, something that's bad into like a very positive and motivational moment. And I think yeah. that's beautiful. I think that's I, amazing. I do too. I mean, even like you, you, you put it so elo- eloquently. You said, you know, this was like the best slash worst thing that happened yeah. to me. And I yeah. identify with that because it's an eye-opening experience. You know, the, the human side of you now is coming out. You're saying, all right, fuck all this shit. I don't need stages. I, I, where, where are my nieces? <laughs> where are my family? Where are the people that, yeah. you know, are important to me? How am yeah. I going to connect with these people now? Like, I thought that that was very humbling, you know, to hear. And, I, and again, just I'm, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're okay. And You know what I mean? Like, that's something that uh, is important. And, and I don't think people really understand that you know you can you can be the richest person in the universe you can be the most successful but life life mm-hmm. is it can that you can wake up today and be gone tomorrow very simply mm-hmm. and i think that that was probably something that you probably identified with mm-hmm. easily you know what i mean you know, I, I always tell people like i don't i don't claim to be super duper 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 religious i have a relationship with god you know and i go mm-hmm. to church and you know i pray often everybody calls me pastor temple <laughs> <laughs> and um i my thing has always been even before i got sick you know that when i pray I don't pray for specific things. I always pray for God to use me in whatever way he sees fit. Mm -hmm. And when I got sick, I had like a brief moment, maybe dare to, that I was like, God, why me? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I pray. I do the right thing. You know, I haven't been a whore. Like, (laughs) come on, God. Like, why? Like, why? Like, why does it have to be me? I I do. You know, I do the right thing. And you, you. Think to yourself, I'm a good person. Like, you could think of so many other people that could get this and they could go. You know, like, (laughs) the world might be a better place without them. And I'm like, God, why me? And then I said to myself, it's because I always pray for God to use me. And sometimes we don't realize that we, we pray to God for him to use us. But we're always thinking of the more glorious jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, God, use me. Use me to win a Grammy. You Use me, uh, you know, so that I can be rich and I can have a mansion mm-hmm. and, you know, I can look prosperous and successful. And sometimes God uses you in ways that are not so glorious. Like, you're going to be the loser, but you're going to be the strong loser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that you have a testimony later. So I know, looking back, you know, God has used me in a very, very unique way that I wouldn't take back. I would not be the person that I am had I not gotten sick for sure. Yeah, and I have my I have my personal relationship too and I I always felt that when I went through hard times, the same thing happened to me. Like, why me? Like, why is this happening to me? And I'm seeing other people who aren't as nice people and positive things are happening. But one of the things I've realized is sometimes it's it's that it's a true test. It's mm-hmm. to see if you are have the strength or or if you're ready to go on to that next 
phase of your life. And I guess it's like sometimes we don't understand when things happen and why it happens. But then later on, you look back, you're like, oh, my gosh, now I know why I went through that. Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, what would you, you know, in this next segment, I guess, it's more of a, a your moment of truth. I've been a nurse. I'm a, a songwriter. I'm an uh, artist. At what point did you say, but no, I'm, I'm an artist at heart. This, this is this is my defining moment. I know that th- I'm meant for this. When, 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 did, when did that happen for you? Uh, you know, part of me would like to say something more recent, mm-hmm. but I can't ever remember a time that I had a doubt in my mind that this wasn't what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. From like six years old, I told my mom, I want to sing. And if I can't sing, then I would rather die. And I remember her being like, oh, my God, no, don't say that. You know, like, that's not good. And then she's telling my father, Diamond, you need to talk to her because, like, this this isn't good. You know, my dad's a musician. And he's like, yes. You know, and she's like, no. He's like, with it. Like, she's not- with the shits. Yes. 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 <laughs> she on my team. <laughs> but, like, there was a, there's an, in uh, like, a, just a quiet stillness in me that's just like this is what you have to do and I know it because every time I try to stop there's a discomfort in me there's some kind of discord that's like no like you can't stop mm-hmm. it's always like you ever see those those pictures of like the caveman and he's like cracking through a wall and he goes to give up and he doesn't realize that it's like like yeah, thin little slice like, of wool like mm-hmm. if he wouldn't have gave up and I always think to myself I don't know how close I am to getting over to that other side. And really, will I ever be satisfied? Mm -hmm. You know, because there are years that I prayed to be doing exactly what I'm doing now. There's somebody who's home right now praying, wishing they had my life. Mm -hmm. And you're always going to look for more. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if, if, uh, you know, let's say we were writing an autobiography on you. Mm -hmm. Beautiful book that it would be. What is one piece of information you would not want to be left out. You would have a fit <laughs> if if that was left out. My grandmother, my grandmother was a major major influence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um she was probably the most honest person I've ever known. And she died a long time ago. She died in 1999. But I lived with her for quite some time uh, when I was little in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like she's just like inhabited me. Like I I remember being a kid and her telling one of my cousins, like my cousin was singing at a black party. And she got off the stage and my grandmother was like, my darling, because that was always her thing. Mm -hmm. Don't you ever embarrass this family like that ever again. You cannot sing. And do not do that anymore. Like, you know, that was my grandmother. And her standing, her making me stand in front of her and her pinching my nose and saying, you don't sing like that. You're not supposed to sing through your nose. Stand like this. Open your mouth. Like, it was like boot camp with Nana. Yeah. You know, and she was such a professional. She was such a lady, such a showman. Mm. Um, And I just feel like sometimes I do things or like I'm singing a certain way and I'm just like... Get it together. Her name was Shirley Temple. She was black, though. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> isn't that, oh wait, did they name the drink? Isn't there a drink named Shirley yes. Temple? Yes. Do you know how that drink name came to be? No. Okay, so the Shirley Temple that you think of with the little curls and the little yeah. Yeah. Uh, saddle shoes, um, she was a child performing in grown-up clubs, and when she would go, obviously, there was only liquor. 
So the bartender started making a drink for her that was grenadine and Sprite, pretty, pretty much lemon lime soda, mm-hmm. so that she would have something so that she didn't feel left out. That's crazy. Oh. Look at that little snap effect. That's great. Oh. <laughs> That's how Shirley Temple got started because she needed to have a drink. I wonder if they would make like a Brandon Hall. <laughs> no. What would be the ingredients? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fishing here. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Nah, but that's cool. So, I mean, let's let's get into your project because, again, I, I think, um, you know, obviously just following you from a career perspective and, and just seeing your growth, um, this probably is one of my favorite projects by you. It, it's so human. And it's so um, emotional. It, it, it takes you on different roller coasters between relationships and, and balancing acts, hence it being the balancing act, and just your life, I think, in just a, a small scope of things. So, I mean, wh- mm-hmm. I, I guess, wh- how did you come up with the title? Even though I feel like that's the cliche thing right now <laughs> to ask, but I, I, I want to know. Why did you pick the cover? <laughs> well, the, the real deal about the balancing act is actually, me and my fiancé were out at P.F. Chang's, and we were talking, and him and I, you know, the reason we work so well together is because we kind of do the same thing, just in a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, mine is in, I guess, the arts, you would say, you know, I, I balance between art and science, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, my music, my nursing, you know, being a being a, a good woman, you know, to a good man, you're trying to be in a relationship, trying to balance your family, trying to balance my personal health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does the same thing. You know, he's on education and pop culture and mm-hmm. speaking in, in big public forums and going to speaking colleges. He's got five jobs. I've got five jobs, you know, and we were joking at the bar and we were like, you know, once we get married, we should go on a tour, you know, called the balancing act. You know, we not only balance each other, we all, we all got all these plates. Mm-hmm. And how many people, there's nobody that doesn't balance something. Yeah, no. Everyone's yeah. balancing something. Some people are just really, really, really good at it. Yeah, and I, I was like, we should go on a tour called the balancing act. And I was like, I'm going to name my project that. Like, That's an amazing just, name. Like, I was like, because that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I try to balance alcohol. I try to balance my <laughs> diet. I try, I, try to, I try to balance a lot. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being successful, but I, I, I try. I try. <laughs> but no. But I mean, again, uh, project was amazing. I think it, it spoke volumes. Uh, like I said to you, the the first record off this, you know, EP, it's called Carpe Diem. Uh, it's one of my favorites um, on the, on the project because it's like you know, I'm, I have these dreams. I know I'm talented, but. And I'm successful, but I know that I'm meant for more. Mm-hmm. I know that I have a higher purpose outside of just saving lives, even though that's remarkable in itself. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I know that I'm meant to do something else greater. And I think being able to find that and identify yourself with it and then going for it. You know what I mean? Hence, you you know, being on X Factor. and, and, and The and, voice. I mean, the, I keep saying X Factor. Why do I keep saying that? Because she is the X Factor. She, that's true. The voice. The voice is what it is. <laughs> I said that to everybody. I was like, X Factor? Does she eat bugs or something like that? And I couldn't understand why they were asking me. Now, now that makes sense. Now that makes sense. She got to hold her nose. The voice. And... The voice. That's what it was. But again, being on The Voice, I think, you know, uh, and I know that you, you and Alicia Keys, you, you've always loved her. You always uh, have said that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, obviously having that moment, you know, tell me about that. How was that moment for you? That moment was incredible. That really felt like my first genuine yes moment. And anybody who's, who's you know, following their dreams understands that you get so many no's, like mm-hmm. so many no's. Even, you know, back to that deserve thing, you feel like you deserve more and it like just never comes. You never get that like moment of like, yeah, validate, like, yes, mm-hmm. like this is it for me. And I legit 
agreed to do the show because I knew she was on it. And I was like, as long as I can say she heard me, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you admire someone as an artist so much, um, it means a lot for them to validate your gift. Yeah. Even though you know you have it and nobody really needs to validate you, but God, and I get that. But when you really, really love somebody so much for them to recognize that there's something special about yeah. you mm-hmm. is major. So when she turned her chair, I was like, oh, I don't need nobody. Nobody else has to turn. <laughs> <laughs> if this I'm ended set. right now, for her to turn around and be like, yes, yes, and yes. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like you. Oh, I was like, who? Like, <laughs> it's real. Like, yeah. It was, ah, oh man, what an incredible moment. And then I got to sing with her. I was like, oh, I want to practice. I'm up there like, please, God, don't let me forget the words. Like, <laughs> yeah, we definitely, we definitely got to add that clip into the podcast so people can hear that definitely, moment. Because just hearing you talk about it, like, I'm about to go back onto my computer and see if it's up there and watch that moment. It's up there. I found it. I'm, you found I, it? I was stalking. I'm telling you, I was stalking her. I was, I was going on a parade of like, that's my friend. Look, she, 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 you see it? You see it? I'm, and the I'm, moment. <laughs> I'm so sad that, like, of course they have to edit things for TV, so, like, you don't get to see everything. Mm-hmm. That lasted about a half an hour. Really? And... Yeah, because that wasn't the only song we sang. Wow. So I had a bet with people backstage, and I was like, I'm wearing this red jumpsuit. I'm like, I swear to God, if Leash Keys turns here for me, I'm going to be like, this girl is on fire. <laughs> and I was like, and everyone was like, it was a big, it was a running joke backstage. And when she came up, and Adam Levine hit me with the alley oop, like, yeah, I think y'all should sing together. I was like, I know what I'm singing. Like, right away, I was like, I'm about to bust out this girl's on fire. <laughs> so she comes up, and already in her mind, she was, like, ready to sing Fallen. And I was mm-hmm. like, but that's not how I'm feeling, though. And, yeah. you know, she's, like, a good co-MC. She's, she's like, so how you feeling? Like, it's, like, turned, and I was like, you know how I'm feeling? She's like, how you feeling? I was like, this girl is on fire. <laughs> and then I, I sang the whole thing, and the band started playing. With my, like, they picked it up quick that's or whatever. Crazy. And then she's like, and I was, like, ready for her to go. So I sang the hook, and I'm like, I right, go. And she was like, Girl, you just made me forget the own words to my own song. Like, <laughs> and we were both there stuck. Now we talking to her. She's like, all right, now we got to do Fallen. So then we did the whole Fallen, but it got edited into like, you know, we just did Fallen. Yeah. But like just to be up there vibing with her was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> I cannot believe that just happened. That's really amazing, especially when you you aspire to move people with your music the same way that she does. And you moved her to the point where she forgot her own lyrics. Like, that is such a huge, huge accomplishment. And, um, I, Brandon, I don't know. I, I hope one day I can move someone that I look up to. I just can't sing. So I can't be pulling out <laughs> girls on fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I've tried singing. It didn't, it didn't really work for me. That's why I wrote nah. skits. That's why I wrote skits. <laughs> you know what's but. funny? You know what's funny? I went to um, a studio one day. Some guy just came up to me. He's like, are you an artist? I'm like, no, I'm not an artist. He's like, you look like an artist. You should sing. And I'm like, have you heard me sing before? Like, Do you want me to record myself in the shower? It's not pleasant. And he was Aww. like, oh, you should go and rap. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. I think I'm good there. Let me just be that person in the back room just chilling. Yeah. You know? <laughs> nah, but I mean, again, I, I think that that's crazy. That's That's got to be a wow moment for you. You know what I mean? You, you're, you're singing with someone you consider to be your idol. And for them to be so wrapped up and engulfed in what you're doing to emulate them to where they lose track. And they're professionals. They've she's done this time and time again, sung in front of countless stadiums and, and, and large crowds, obviously. And for for her to have a wow moment with you, 
That's that's major. Yeah. That's major. Major killer. I'm happy you're my friend. <laughs> I'm happy about this. Can I be your friend? <laughs> we're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing that we're going to go on is, of course, we talked about your beginnings, your trials and tribulations, and the path that you took. But what we are so curious to know about is, what's next? Like, what's next in store for you as an artist? And even as a person, too. Shoot. Add that into the mix, too. Yeah. Well, all around, I would I would like to use myself in the world for some good. And I've realized that, you know, as much as I always say, I'm going to get away from my job one day. And like, you know, the the real goal is to, you know, be a full time musician. That's not really what I'm I'm meant to do just to be a full time musician and not and completely leave nursing behind. There's a reason I went to nursing school. Yeah. So what I would like to do is, of course, I'm doing constant press for my project, The Balancing Act, um, doing spot dates. I'd like to get on tour at some point. I'd like to open for someone on tour. But the major, like, if you ask me what five, ten years down the line, what the whole overall picture is going to be, I would like to open a nonprofit medical mission. So what I want to do is have a group of touring musicians that do what I do. They're musicians, but they're an anesthesiologist. They might be my drummer, but they're really a surgeon. Yeah. Um, my background singer is an ICU nurse, you know, but they do the same thing I do. And what I'd like to do is plan our tour stops um, so that when we plan the tour, we're also planning to do surgeries in places for people who can't afford it. That's and we crazy. can stop wow. and That's set crazy. up shop, work, fire. pack it up, yeah. get on stage. You know, that's that's the ultimate, ultimate goal. And it's called Musicians in Medicine. That's so. That's really dope. That's a dope concept. You know, because I know that I I now have an ability. I don't even call it a gift because I went to school for it and I learned it. I have an ability to do something with my hands, something tangible. Mm-hmm. More than, you know, go to some poor country and lay, ladle soup or, you know, build houses. And shout out to all the people that do that and, you know, build water wells. or You know, they just donate a check. But I know that I have an ability to do something else and to care for people. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to do it all and show young people that I can do it all. I- I've started um, doing patient advocacy for patients with rare cancers. Um, so working with the Carcinoid Cancer Foundation as an ambassador okay. for them and um, with different biopharmaceutical companies that sell the drugs that are needed to treat the type of cancer that I had, which mm-hmm. is called carcinoid. Okay. Um, so all around, you know, I don't want to just be a one-trick pony, per se. Like, oh, I go and I play shows and, like, this is what I get paid for. Mm -hmm. I want to make a difference and show young people that you don't have to choose. I can't tell you how many people told me, like, if you really want to do music, you wouldn't have a plan B. And, you know, you gotta gotta really work for what you want. (laughs) You know, there's no such thing as a plan B because that's how you fall back and that's how stuff doesn't get done because that's Mm -hmm. how you get lazy. I can't tell you how many people. And you know how many of those people could probably use some of my money right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what it is. I tell people that all the time. A lot of people, it's it's hard juggling. And I identify with you a hundred times over. Like I've, I've been on tour buses writing final exams. It and, looks and, and good papers. on Instagram. Yeah, it looks great. You get likes uh, for being on the tour bus. You look, get likes for, for posting a picture of the crowd and like, yeah, it was it was lit last night at Philly. Yeah. But. Yeah. You over here eating ramen noodles mm-hmm. because you can't afford to go to Ocean Air because trying to keep it with you the know Joneses. What I'm saying? You trying to you on a bus eating peanut butter and jelly, just trying to make it work, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that, you mm-hmm. know. Some people love that lifestyle. Some people aren't balancing anything. They're gonna make it work by hook or by crook. Yeah. But 
I, I like stability. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I like my apartment. I like my Beamer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I like that I go to the store and for the most part, I don't have to look at the price tag. You know, I like to eat. I can't justify spending $80 on shoes, but I can justify $80 on dinner. <laughs> I got a problem. You know? <laughs> you know, but I don't I don't believe in that starving artist yeah. mentality. I don't. I believe it. you can still be starving in your head. Like, mm-hmm. there's yeah. something in me that's never going to stop. But I don't believe in, in literally being hungry. No, yeah. that's why you got Costco's. <laughs> she loves Costco. <laughs> hey, Costco's, Wegmans. Shoot, even Walmart, you know. Listen, Walmart is the go for don't me. Throw on the, on don't on throw the, shade. Don't throw shade. the late night, what? <laughs> Walmart is the move, man. Walmart comes in the clutch. I don't oh, care what nobody man. says. In New York, you got the corner store bodegas come in. You need a nice sandwich. Yes. Them bodega sandwiches are they're clutch. Oh, the best, the best. So I wanted to play... Um, a quick little song off your uh, EP, The Balancing Act. It's out now in iTunes, on iTunes rather. Um, this is one of my, another favorite record of actually Felicia's and mine listening to it. It's not better than Carpe Diem, but <laughs> I, I, I still love the record. So I'm going to play a little brief sample of that because I just love this record as well. The name of this record is called No One But You. You heard it here first, grassroots. Again, you heard it here first, <laughs> Felicia Temple, the balancing act. No one but you. That smash hit on the radio. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Late night, one hundred two twenty-five. Oh my god! Bay, after Bay heard that, that nigga's probably like, "Yo, man, come on, come on home." It's, it's, you talking about me? Well, you know, lucky for him, he got to experience probably a, a very different process. You know, I'm sure people write about they they boo whatever. He's but lucky, like, man. He's he lucky. actually got to see this project in a way that no one else got to see it. So mm-hmm. he, I always say, it's probably very amazing from his eyes what he got to experience because. My like I still live in a little tiny apartment. You know, my eighty-eight key keyboard is in my dining room, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how every song in this project started. So I remember like we first started dating, and I was starting to create this song because, mind you, we started dating in April, and six weeks later, I got diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. So he's like a ride or die for real. You serenade him, like I would serenade him. Absolutely, he would sit on the couch in the living room, and I'd be like. 
you want to hear this song I'm kind of writing? I'm like, I, I kind of use you as inspiration. He's like, okay. And like at the time, I remember I only had like three keys. And I was like, and I was like, the way I feel it lately. Like, mind you, this is like kind of new. So I didn't want him to look at me crazy, but I'm like, settle down, have some babies. I'm pretty ring. Like, get a hint. Get a hint. I want a ring. No. <laughs> but like, you know, these songs, like he would see me, I would send him videos like of me just like with maybe a first verse and a hook and he's like yo this is incredible mm-hmm. and then fast forward to two years later and I've got a whole band playing it and there are people online like that song is my jam he's like that song's about me that song's about me, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. About me. <laughs> yeah it is so crazy you know how people say music heals mm-hmm. metaphorically she's doing that but also literally yeah she's like healing true. herself healing others healing even the, the nice ring on her hand like yes. she's doing it all like I, he, it's amazing that's because yes. he, he heard the record he he, he healed he, he made he's her like, make that I record sign up got- today <laughs> I always say he's the first guy I made a nice song about like it, when I used to write songs about God you better believe like they broke my heart they cheated on me they oh, did man. something they wasn't supposed to do and mm. that's what used to give me like the impetus to to write and for the first time, I was like, this must be real love because I can actually say something nice about I mean, I could say something nice about somebody that I used to like, I mean, but it didn't inspire me to write. And yeah. when I used to write love songs, I wrote a song on my first project called Nothing But Love Songs. It was because I was in competition with my ex, who is a rapper, and we were mm. battling a who could make a better love song. Oh, man. Oh, no. It's like a Drake. And I mean, it's a beautiful, (laughs) no, I mean, it ended up being a beautiful love song. But when I listen to it, for me, the attachment is not the same because when people like, who'd you write that about? And I'm like, it was actually like a battle. Like, you know, (laughs) it's not the same, you know? I was beefing with a rapper and I had to let him know I had bars too. That's what it was. (laughs) And I definitely won that contest, by the way. (laughs) Let's bring the crowd applause in. Oh, man. But uh, no, wanted to thank you uh, for joining the show. Uh, Can't thank you enough. Again, uh, amazing talent, amazing person, um, hard worker, loyal, fiance, and and healer. Mm -hmm. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, Felicia Temple. Thank you so much. If my crowd applause would come in. (laughs) (laughs) Edit then and after. There you go. Oh, here we go. Crowd, crowd all late. Yes. Mad late. Crowd all late. <laughs> Black people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's on CP time. On CP time. <laughs> <laughs>